Well, thank you, Richard. And, and honestly, Fliss and I are looking forward to meeting together. We met on Thursday with Wendy Howson, who many of you know. Um, Wendy was 20 years in, in television in South Africa, is, is a very well-known person in the sort of South African uh, scene. And she's very skilled as an interviewer. And so we're looking forward to, to uh, that evening. And we do hope you'll come along and, uh, and enjoy it with us. Okay, let me pray. We'll get straight into God's Word. Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all your grace and your goodness. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And thank you, Lord God, that you are a tenacious God. You don't give up easily. You don't give up on us, Lord God. And that you press on in and you encourage us to press on into you, but you press on in to claim us and to make us your own. Father, I know that um, uh, there's been seasons in my life that, where I was, must have been a pretty unattractive proposition, not much of a prize for you. And indeed, that's the state that we all are. That we are, as Scripture says, uh, before we know you, we are enemies of you, Lord God. That we are definitely lost. We are floundering, Lord God, not knowing which way is up and what is right and what is wrong. But Lord God, you press in and you pursue us. And I pray now, Lord God, that you would visit us, that Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would confirm the words I speak in your name uh, with, with signs and with wonders and that you would break free, break us free from all those things that hinder us, Lord God. Uh, and we ask it all in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Okay, so we're in a series at the moment called Truly, Truly. And... Uh, Last week, Mark did a great job. If you, if, actually, if you've missed any of this series, um, we, I, I think we've been slightly taken aback at just how wonderful this series has been. Uh, I've been you know, here to hear most of the talks, but those I've missed, I've, I've listened to on our, our podcast or videocast, and uh, they really are great. We seem to have hit the mother load here, and uh, Mark did a great job last week, and if you were here, you'll know he did that. But if not, you know, do catch up on the videocast or podcast. But, but to summarize that talk, um, he was encouraging us to do, as we, we used to say in the early days, to seek God's face, not just his hand. Seek God's face, not just his hand. Now, we all seek God's hand, and, and we're encouraged to do so. You know, Lord, please do this for us. Please help us with that. Please provide this. Please, please care for this. Please bless my friend. Please, you know, bless the kids and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these kind of gimme, gimme, gimme prayers. That's okay. Kids do that with their father. It's okay. But there is more to a relationship with, with God our Father through Jesus our Savior in the power of the Holy Spirit than just gimme, gimme, gimme. We are encouraged as his sons and daughters to seek his face. To seek him for his own face. You know, Fliss and I, you know, we've been married 46 years. And, uh, you know, there's been many a time where we've just had to, you know, share out the, 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 the jobs just to, you know, do life. You know, particularly when we had four young kids at home. You know, there wasn't a lot of time for us as a couple because we were too busy caring for them. And, you know, life has its seasons. But Fliss and I were always able to come back to one another and just and just remind ourselves of how much we loved one another. So we tried to sort of factor in date nights and stuff, even when it was crazy busy. And, and a relationship, you know, a living, loving relationship is more than just gimme, gimme, gimme. You do this and I'll do that. You know, if you do that, I'll do the other. It's about being together. And that's exactly what God wants for us. 
you know, that we might actually get to know him personally and, and, and savor his presence. And I, I guess that's what we do in our worship, isn't it? We, we take time to savor God's presence. So last week, Mark was encouraging us to seek God's face, not just his hand. So today, I want to deal with something that's been a bit of a challenge for me over the years, and I trust it'll, it'll help you. Uh, I was in Nashville uh, at a church a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and um, the speaker, it, it, the, the, the guy who's pastor there, a guy called Lyndall Cooley, is absolutely wonderful worship leader, uh, outstanding worship leader, and I really uh, have a great fondness for him. I had a bit of a chat, and we prayed together at the end. The speaker, to be perfectly honest with you, and I'm going to be a bit, a bit uh, I don't mean to be rude, but it, it wasn't his best day, and there's been many times when I've not been on my best form, and unfortunately you've had to uh, endure that, you know. So it wasn't, he wasn't on his best form, but he said something that was like a pearl to me. He said a little throwaway line, I'm going to share it with you later, but it was just something that set me thinking, and it was just what I needed to hear. And I've been thinking about this, reading about it, Fliss and I have been talking about it, and it's just set me on thinking, and I want to share those thoughts and that little, that little part of my journey today. So, without further ado, Truly, Truly is the series title, and we're going to start in uh, Matthew's Gospel, uh, and verses 19 to 21. It'll come up on the screen behind, but uh, you know, please, if you, uh, if you haven't got a Bible, if you haven't got a Bible, we would love to give you one. Just ask at the welcome desk, and, and we want to encourage everyone, uh, not just to carry a smart device with you, and I often use my smart device to look up God's Word, but it's, it's great to have a paper one because you can mark it, you can reference it, you can come back to it. So... In Matthew's Gospel, what happens is that we have this account of Jesus taking two or three of his friends, his, the disciples, going up uh, the Mount, Mount Tabor. That's, I've been there. It's a pretty amazing place. That's another story. And when they get to the top, there's this extraordinary encounter with God. Jesus has this revelatory experience which the other three disciples Peter, James, and John are witness to, and it culminates in a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And it's, talk about a mountaintop experience, it totally is that, literally. Anyway, they come down the mountain, and they found a bit of a, an edgy, almost riot taking place. The other disciples that were left behind, they're down there, and they've, tried to cast, they've been asked to cast a demon out of a boy. And it goes wrong. And the next thing, a row breaks out with the religious leaders. And it's just, you know, you've been up there in the heavenly place. And suddenly it's like life happens. And it's, and it's all terrible and the, you know, all the rest of it. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you here have ever had that wonderful experience with God or something like that? And then, you know, you, you <laughs> almost immediately... There's a tremendous challenge, and all hell seems to break loose. Oh, boy, yeah, there's a fair few of us. Yeah, we recognize that. Well, that was one of these occasions. And uh, there's no time to save or what's just happened or what God has just done. And the verse of Scripture, when Jesus comes down, that I want to just begin with to keep in tune with the truly, truly theme, but we are going to unpack it a bit more, is that, you know, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked him, why couldn't we drive this demon out? You know, we've done it before, and they had. Jesus had given them authority over demons, 
And so they'd gone out and done that, no problem. But this one, they expected the demon to, to come out, but unfortunately it didn't. In fact, all hell seemed to break loose. It got worse. And Jesus said, and he's quite scathing, and I, I like gospel, you know, Mark's gospel. It's very real, and, and, and you know, it's not being sanitized or tidied up. And he says, he replied, because you have so little faith. You have so little faith. Truly, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I, I want to, I don't know whether it's, conf, conf, I want to confess, it's, but I find this chapter, this little passage, incredibly challenging. Because, you know, I, I want to own up and I want to say before the Holy Spirit that as far as I'm aware, I do, have a, I do have a mustard seed of faith. And yet I'm not moving mountains around. Now, I'm not sure that the Ordnance Survey people would thank me too much, you know, or that the government, you know, if, if I moved sort of Box Hill up to near Harpenden, you know, it, it, there, not, there might be some comment, you know, so maybe, you know, it's something to do with that. But joking apart... You know, I've seen many wonderful things, and truly I have. I mean, not least, dear Chester, we were all praying like crazy. It, it seemed to get worse and worse. You know, please pray, he's got a bit of a bleed. Please pray, he's gone to the doctors. Please pray, he's gone to the local hospital. Please pray, he's gone to, and the next thing, you, please pray, he's gone to, go, you know, GSOH, you know, Great Ormond Street Hospital. It's like, whoa! You know, it's getting exponentially worse, it seems. And then suddenly, he's coming home. And he's, you know, kicking up a fuss and just bit his dad, you know. And, and it's kind of like, whoa, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So here you have this kind of situation, you know, and we've seen many people healed here, many people in our own lives. So there's all these kind of situations. And yet still I find myself struggling with verses like this. And so I want to talk today, I want to talk about, you know, faith blockers. If this... If there's a title to this, it's Faith Blockers. Now, we could honestly do a series on this, and possibly we need to, but it might just sound a bit too neg negative. But, you know, faith blockers are things, you know, that, that actually hinder us in our walk with Jesus. Now, I, I'm not talking about doubt here. Now, you may not yet, you know, claim to be or feel comfortable calling yourself a follower of Jesus. You may have a number of doubts. First thing I want to say about doubt, doubt at the beginning of our relationship with Jesus is not a sin. It's a reality. It's just the way people are. You know, Jenna and, and AJ, they, they head up our uh, Alpha course, and Fliss and I ran Alpha for years and years and years. And we met many people who came who want to believe, but it's almost it's like it's too good to be true. You know, you're not serious. You mean you really believe this stuff? But what about this? What about suffering? What about you know the the way my aunt, the suffering my auntie had to go through when she was dying, all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, you know what about you know if if God did this, why why doesn't He do something, intervene and do something with the environment? Because we're killing, you know all these kind of questions. These are good, honest conversations, and and these are our doubts. Now, what happens in that stage? You can either come to a point where you where you actually say, well, you know what, I don't have the answers to all these questions but I'm going to take a step of faith. And that's a, crucial, that's a crucial thing because God requires us to exercise faith. He does not give us the whole story. If he gave us the whole story, it wouldn't be faith. 
And he, he has chosen that we will enter into heaven by expressing and by having faith in him. Now, you and I, if we were God, might do it differently. But he's decided it will be that way. And what I do like about it, it does mean that anybody can get to heaven, even me. You don't have to be the Archangel Gabriel, Mother Teresa and Billy Graham all mixed into one. You can be you. And God will take you just as you are. As you come to him, he will cleanse you, forgive your sin, he will embrace you as his child, and he will commit himself for the rest of eternity to you. That, that's a deal I want to hear about. That's something I want to explore. And I think it was probably that, in my very early stage of faith, it was that truth that blew me away to the degree that, are you serious about that? Do you really mean that? Because, you see, I thought God was, you know, God was sort of like angry with me, and, and God had nothing to do with me, and I'm, I'm definitely, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The script goes on, and you know what I mean. And I was living in this place, and this is my second faith block of fear. It's one thing to have doubts, but some people actually fear God. I know somebody who's very, I'm very fond of this particular person. They've done Alpha, they've done a whole load of things, but fear has such a grip on them that now they're in a place where they're afraid that God would come and do something crazy because then it would really freak them out. You know, you've got to let God be God. You can't have him on your terms. You can't make God in your own image. That's what the Bible calls an idol. When you start telling God how he has got to be or behave with you, you're creating an idol. You know, you may not be carving one, but you're making one. So, we have a situation where, you know, doubt will block and hinder us but doubt is not a sin. Doubt may just be an honest place that you're working through until you get to that point where you begin to trust that God is not going to fry you, that God is for you. And what that does, the Scripture says, it says, faith, love, hope, these things, you know, love will cast out perfect fear. So you can be terrified of God. You may not like the whole idea of God. It may completely freak you out. But the truth of the matter is when you realize that he is for you and not against you, suddenly your heart begins to soften. How many of you had you know, a wrong impression? You know, we all make first impressions of people. How many of you, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, have met somebody over the years where initially you just didn't like them at all? There was just something about you, something about them that completely irritated you or annoyed you, but then for, for whatever reason you, you, you get to know them and you think, you know, I had, I had that wrong. They're actually sweet. They're really kind. They're loyal. And you become great friends or at least you change your attitude towards them. Well, as we seek God's face and not his hand when we do more than just asking the gimme prayers, we begin to realize that God is for us and not against us. So that undoes that fear thing. Now, you know, I've struggled with fear and anxiety and all these kind of things. And so it's an ongoing thing. It's a work in progress and hands up, I'm in that place. Now, the third thing I want to talk on, this is the one I just want to major on uh, and before I finish, is 
unbelief. And it was this little gem, this little pearl, or whatever you care to call it, that just leapt out at me when I was in Nashville. It started me thinking about unbelief. I don't think I've ever really thought about unbelief. You know, it's not, it doesn't seem to be particularly good grammar anyway, unbelief. I mean, what's unbelief, you know? But I suddenly realized that there was a distinction between unbelief and doubt. It's not the same thing. And actually, if we stay in a place of unbelief, and you'll understand this better in about five minutes, that's actually quite a dangerous place. Because unbelief is something that besets the believer. You can't unbelieve if you've never believed. Doubt, something we all have. Fear, something we all have. But unbelief is something that comes upon the believer. As this preacher, and this was the illustration that stuck with me, he said, unbelief is like a shoelace that has come undone. A shoelace that has come undone. You know, it's something that's been done up. Yep, great but then it comes undone. You know, you come to faith, you meet with Jesus, you, know, you realize he loves you, you realize he's for you, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life, you're amazed that you didn't know about this before, but you embrace it with, to- with both hands. But as time goes on, we are susceptible to unbelief creeping in. And it's something, church, we really need to address and get to grips with. Now let's look at another version of this account, and I will... Hopefully, it will come out a little bit clearer as to what I'm trying to uh, deal with here. So then, Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read this uh, passage here, similar account, but what Mark does here, he goes into more detail about this interaction between the various personality, the, the various characters in this sort of difficulty at the foot of the Mount of, of uh, Revelation Transfiguration. So Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14, he says this, When they came to the other disciples, when they come down from the mountain, came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. There's a, a sermon there we haven't got time for. What are you arguing with them about, Jesus asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, Jesus' initial response appears to be exasperation. And one of those things that I love about Mark's gospel, and I've said this, you've heard me say this before, is it is rough, it is ready, it is unsanitized, um, it's just kind of raw, and, and there are times where Jesus does seem to express a little frustration with his disciples. So verse 90 he says, you unbelieving generation. Oh, God. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I've got a bit of sympathy for Jesus. I mean, he's just been on the top of, of the mount. And he's just met with God, Moses and Elijah. He's just had a wonderful time up there. It's been glory and all the rest. He comes down. And what happens? He finds that, you know, he goes, moves from that to this. And he's like, oh, my giddy aunt, you know. How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Verse 20. So they brought him. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. 
He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Now, it would appear that we're not just dealing with some run-of-the-mill demon. Honestly, the disciples had been dealing with those. In Jesus' name, Jesus sent them out two by two, and they went to towns and villages and announced the coming of the Messiah, and they healed the sick, and they cast out demons. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, they all came back and said, you know, it's amazing, even the demons submit to us, etc., etc., etc. But this, there's something, we're, we're dealing with a different level here. How long has the boy been like this? From childhood, the man answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. The man will settle for anything, anything, anything at all. It's better than this. Look at my poor boy. Look at my poor boy. Jesus says, if you can, seriously, Really, if you can? Everything is possible for one who believes. And then, of course, in Matthew's gospel, we read it to begin with. He unpacks it a bit more, but it's simple here. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was gathering, you know, being in, it was getting more and more attention, running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet, and he stood there. I can just see Jesus doing that, can't you, in my mind's eye. The boy's lying on the dust. It looks like he's limp and he's like he's, he's, well, he's dead. That's what people say. And Jesus just, without any hesitation, just steps forward and takes him by the hand. Come on, up again. Come on. Wow! In his right mind, and he looks at his father and his father with tears in his eyes. They fall into each other's arms. Father sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. Oh, the mercy of God, the deliverance of God, the salvation of God, the kindness of God. The disciples, quite rightly, it's good to ask questions. Verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. What is prayer? It's essentially deep communion with God. Prayer is one of the toughest things we do. Uh, we, we know we've got 1,200 people in this church, possibly more. When we have breakthrough, I've done, Mark and I have done umpteen breakthrough meetings on Thursday nights, and there's been no more than 20 people here. It's tough. It's not sexy. It's just hard work. But Jesus was one who always kept a close account with God. He was always seeking his Father's face, not just his hand. So he was well-positioned and well-prepared for this kind of thing. This kind can only come out by prayer. Okay, let's just go back then to this man's statement. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. He's not an unbeliever. He's not a chancer. He's not a doubter. 
you know, I'm sure he's afraid of what the spirit does to his son, this evil spirit. But he is in that place of belief and, and he speaks in great honesty to Jesus. And it's, it's not exasperation. He says, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And you see, what this dear believer had been through was a whole series of events that had set up roadblocks in his walk with Jesus, with walk with God. You see, as we read about this, I mean, the first thing, you know, the, Jesus says, you know, how long has this child been like this? And he says, well, from childhood, how long has this boy been like this? He says, well, from childhood. He wasn't born like it. He doesn't say from the moment he was born, he's always been like it. So there was a time when this dear father, you know, picked up his son, just like we were cradling Chester, and, and comforted him and played with him. I crept up behind my grandson during the break, and I blew a raspberry on the back of his neck. Ugh. Hairy old grandpa, don't do that, you know. But, you know, it's just, I just want more of him. I want attention, you know, and all this kind of stuff. There was a time when this father did that. He remembers, you know, kicking, you know, a little football or something around in the yard and this kind of thing, and little boy going like this, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then one day, something weird happens, and the, tar- the child seems unwell, and then seems to get a very high fever. Or I don't know how it progressed, but we see here that the father watches as his precious son becomes a deaf mute. The father had to watch the son convulsing and then going stiff as a post and feeling hopeless and helpless. And he cried out to God and he took the child here and he took the child there. And anyone, everyone, please, is there anything, anybody who knows anything about this? This poor child, this poor father went through a whole series of life events that set roadblocks, little bits of unbelief where he, he got to the point where he comes to the Messiah himself and says, if you can, if you can. It's all right if you can't. Nobody else can. I've take, been everywhere. Is there, any, is there anything at all you can do? That's how much this believer's faith had been, born, had been weighed down. As I said, it's like a shoelace that has been done up that comes undone. And many believers, many of us here, are dealing with that kind of stuff. We believe. Now, I can honestly say I stand before you. I've been a Christian a very long time now, by the grace of God. And, and I don't struggle with doubts anymore. You know, there are things that I don't understand, and I've asked God about them, and he hasn't chosen to let me know about them. And, but I know enough about him now to think, oh, well, fair enough, I guess you'll let me know when you, you want me to. I mean, Felicity and I have been married 46 years. She's still a mystery to me. <laughs> and whereas when we first got married, I say, why did you do that? What were you? Now, it's whatever, you know, don't ask me. But I love her enough, and we love each one another. So I think, well, that's fine, you know, whatever. I've moved from this place of, is she the one? Do I love her? Can I spend my life? And I'm saying, 
she's my sweetheart. And we've done 46 years of life and we've had four children and a fifth one if you count the church. And, and um, yeah, she still baffles me, but it's wonderful. I'm in that place with God. I'm not agonized. I'm not being kept awake at night wrestling with doubts about does God exist or does God do this or does God do the other. I'm past that. I'm dealing with other things now. But there have been things along the way that have threatened to dull my faith. You know, my, uh, the f- one year in, um, I haven't got time to elaborate too much, but one year into the church plant, our daughter Jessie, our second daughter, contracted bacterial meningitis. Now, that's, the good news is that bacterial meningitis can be treated. Uh, it's bacterial, it's not viral. The bad news is that bacterial meningitis is the one that kills, makes blind, takes away your faculties and facilities. Now, uh, b- believe me, we prayed. I, uh, the, some of you know this, but because you've experienced it, but to have a child that's in an isolation ward where you can only press your face against the glass and wave because you are not allowed in there is a a painful thing. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Increasingly, over the years, I mean, thank God Jessie didn't die. She wasn't blinded. She didn't go deaf. Uh, She was in a wheelchair for a little while, but she made a complete recovery, except that she started developing headaches about, about... 10 years ago. And these have developed over the last 10 years into totally incapacitating migraines that last for days. And as soon as one finishes, another one starts. Uh, Absolutely terrible. And then within this year, God healed her through the prayers of a sister over the phone. Uh, Not a a, biological sister, but she rang up a friend of a friend, and this friend of the friend prayed over the phone, and then we prayed as well. And um, Jessie is completely clear now, ple- completely clean. Now, praise God. But you do find yourself thinking, well, why, why didn't God answer our prayers over there or back there? Or back, you know, why, why isn't God answering our prayers? And, you know, Felicity in particular. My wife in particular, I suppose it's women, it was just, just agonized and you did hours of research and all this kind of stuff, trying to find out what's the key, is it eating carrots in May or something, you know, just anything, anything. But I say that to say this, that kind of trial, and you know, some of you have lost babies you know, before term, some of you have struggled to conceive, I'm talking about family, some of you have agonized over a relative or somebody close to you dying in a particular way. Somebody have known extraordinary disappointment in business or in love or relationships, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These things are life. Jesus said, in this life you will have troubles. But do not fear, I have overcome the world. And the temptation is that, that when these things present us, because we don't know all the answers or be, because we don't get the result we want, our shoelace comes down a little bit. We start full of hope and excitement, but actually that becomes like a roadblock in our way. So from then on, every time a situation comes along like that, we have to edge around it because we, we can't deal with that. And if you've been a Christian for as long as I have, you get the potential for roadblocks, for things that you don't understand 
difficulties. And so you're no longer walking with Jesus A to B. Your Christian life, even though you are still a believer, is, is strewn with boulders. And so you're having to, when I met Jesus, oh, wait for me. I'm coming. I'm, okay. Because unbelief begins to take a hold. And it gets to the point where every time there's some new move of God or some enthusiastic person or some great vision, cynicism creeps in. A little, I see it like a little lizard. It scurries in, robs you of the faith, robs you of the, yeah, well, fair enough, that's all right for Chris, he's the senior pastor, I suppose, you know. Well, that's all right for so-and-so, or... And cynicism creeps in. Now what I believe the Spirit of God is saying to us here is that many of us have been carrying unbelief, unresolved granite lumps in our faith for too long. We're still believers. We still turn up. We still show up. We still take notes of the sermon we still tithe, we still do these things. I mean, this can be said anyone, I have to say, whether you're a believer yet or not a believer, but this is really to believers. But I want to say to you that this is a season to, to, to call black, black, and white, white. We, can, we were not called to live a life chained by unbelief. We sang it earlier on. God sets us free. And when the Son of Man sets you free, you are free indeed. It's time to leave some of this stuff behind. And I'm cleaning house because I'm challenged by this word. And so I'm going to invite the, the, the band up now, sing our last song together. But I want you to take on board this dear man's response to Jesus. He had reason to harbor unbelief. You may have reasons to harbor unbelief. But folk, we need to see it for what it is. It is unbelief. It will damage you and your walk. We need to confess it, call it out, bring it out into the light. And with this man, we need to say together, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. That's the reality that we're in. We've all got stuff. It's Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Would you please stand? You know, it's a funny thing. When I was praying about this, I visualized people coming forward because it is something that needs a response. But then I thought, no, we've got baby dedications and all the rest of it. There isn't time for that. And then I came in and I realized that, this huge, that for some reason we've got the chairs set further back. There's a huge, great gap here. And I felt like the Lord's saying, that's because I want you to call people forward. 
This is not one of those words, sermons, where you go, that was interesting, that was a good talk, or that started me thinking, or I didn't, you know, didn't get anything from that. You know. This is a talk that demands a response. And so I want to ask you, just as Cheeto and the band just sort of set a bit of, um, I don't want to call it mood music, but I just want to mark the transition, just you can play something. I just want to invite you now to take a first step to recognize and to acknowledge before God where you are on your spiritual journey by coming forward, just coming down the front. For you, actually, one of the roadblocks may simply be that you're in the middle of a row. <laughs> just turn to your neighbor and say I need to get down to the front I just want to mark this moment I want to get real with God so if that's one of you if this talk has touched you in any way or if, you can, if it resonates with you that's the word we like to use just come down to the front just line up along the front here let's do it now don't delay don't let this be another disappointment another thing that you judge as a failure where you failed God what we're doing is we're just saying, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. You're recognizing that there's stuff in your life that you've accumulated, and we're having a clear out. And frankly, in the light of what we believe God is about to do among us, both myself and Mark, we need to have a clear out. We need to clean house. We need to be ready. Bless you all. Any more? Any more? Bless you. And I'm going to ask you to do something. If if uh, if it's possible, if you've got a physical issue, don't worry about it. But I'm going to ask you actually to kneel down where you are. And I'm going to say this little prayer. And you can stay here as long as you like, but I'm going to hand over to Cheeto as we sing our last song together. But this is an important moment. This is important business. This is grown-up stuff. There's some very mature Christians I can see at the front here. People I regard as friends. I know their life. But I know that if I were not leading the meeting, I'd be down here at the front, just like I was in Nashville. Father, we love you, it's true. We've not been lying. We love you. As a church, we love you. We long to serve you. We long to be together and to be with you. And Lord, we believe. We're not lying when we say to you we believe. We don't have to feel ashamed about that because it's true. We do believe. We believe. But Lord, help thou our unbelief. Help thou our unbelief. So just say together with me, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And everyone said, Amen. Now folks, you can stay here or you can get up and leave. This is a beginning. This is an invitation for you to explore this issue with the Holy Spirit over the week to come. But I'm going to hand over to Cheeto now. Stay for as long as you want. Or 
get up or go back, it really doesn't matter. But Cheeto, would you lead us out, please? And 